Dennis, herbs, of course. We're going to talk about herbs today. We are indeed, Jane. We are indeed. And you often talk about herbs that have played a major part in Mm. handling things with conditions of the digestive system. So we're going to look at three of those today. We are indeed, Jane. And we'll probably, for a couple of sessions, look at herbs, not just three, but over the next couple of weeks, a range of herbs that can address many common conditions that we all will experience. Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. And we are taking your calls. Glenn has rung in from North Rothbury. Glenn, you'd like to ask Dennis about the herb hawthorn. Hello, Glenn. Hello, Dennis. How are you going? I'm very well. Cool up there to this morning? It was. Yes, yeah, it thought... turned out to be a lovely day. Yes, yeah, I'll be heading up there myself this afternoon. Oh, good on yeah, you. A bit yeah. dry. Good yeah, it's a bit a, of rain. we need rain, but we all, always need the rain. Oh, yeah, probably. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. How can I help you, Glenn? I was just wondering if you could mm. just give me a, just general information about hawthorn. Okay. Um, I had a, uh, a hypertension and a, um, cholesterol's a bit up. Okay. And I've, I've had a couple of ectopic beats. Yes. They say brought on with exercise, but yes. it's, doctor says, ah, oh, nothing to worry about. But he, he doesn't really know much about the herbal side of things. Okay. Well, look, um, I- interestingly, uh, hawthorn, and <clears throat> hawthorn is a, how can you call it, an umbrella term to talk about the, or represents the three components of the of the hawthorn bush or tree. Um, there's the leaf, there's the flower, and there's the berry. And mm-hmm. each, each part of the hawthorn bush uh, contains significant and recognised therapeutic pr- uh, principles, chemical constituents that are known as proanthocyanidins. Now, I didn't say that to impress you, but that will support some of the uh, the information that we know and that we use. Again, it was a, a lot of the work that's been done on Hawthorne has been done uh, by people uh, in, in Europe. It's all it's always been a herb that's been popular in in England and English herbalism. Um, the fact that if you go to the New England area, the, the granite country, the cool area, you'll find just heaps and heaps, to use the colloquial terminology, of hawthorn trees. And despite the valiant attempt mm. of many to get rid of them, each time we go up there, we see they've grown back. And we're a bit of a, my wife and myself are, are fans of the hawthorn. And we actually go to um, to a, a place up there where the, one of the major back roads is called Hawthorn Avenue, and you can understand why. So it's about time we went back up there to uh, go to Arden, is where my wife's uh, family uh, come from, and uh, we go up there and uh, collect the hawthorn and take photographs of it. The Mm. hawthorn is known, uh, and its reputation largely developed uh, by Germans, uh, and it's been seen by Dr. Rudolf Weiss, who, in my opinion, you would have heard me say this before, is one of the greatest teachers uh, mm. of, of medical herbalism that I think uh, has, uh, is in modern times. He's passed away, but his work is monumental, and he referred to Hawthorne as, as the herb for the ageing heart. Now, mm. I think that's an apt term because uh, Hawthorne does not, uh, how can I call it, uh, complicate the management uh, of cardiovascular conditions. It functions more as a tonic remedy. Now, sure. that, that term tonic unfortunately, has dropped out of the language of modern medicine, but the term tonic brings with it the idea of something that has a non-specific, supportive or restorative effect 
on the organ that it addresses. So, for instance, when we talk about uh, sore palmito, we talk about it being a tonic uh, for the, the glandular system of the male, um, for the, particularly the prostate. So Hawthorne is one of these remedies, and my wife will vouch for that. I take it every morning uh, and have done for years and years and years because I'm convinced that it does support the muscular activity of the heart. That's in all the literature, British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, the writings of Dr. Weiss, in some of the modern literature of, of medical herbalism. It also has a recognised uh, relaxant effect on the uh, cardiac vasculature. So it's called up as an agent that has some benefit in um, keeping the coronary artery uh, relaxed and, mm. and working against angina. Now, let me point out this. This is not an acute remedy for managing angina, modern yeah, medicine, sure. but it is a remedy which, if taken regularly, as I do, uh, arguably uh, assists the, uh, the vascular system and works against uh, that particular condition. And, mm. and the third area that has fascinated me, and at, at first I had reservations about it, but the literature again keeps saying this over and over and over again, that a chronic use of the hawthorn has an ability to lessen plaque deposition on the vascular wall. Okay. So it is called up in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia as having a reputation for working against uh, cholesterol problems such as plaque deposition. So for those three reasons, a useful herb to work against plaque deposition on the, on the, uh, on the vascular wall uh, to uh, keep uh, the coronary artery perhaps in, in a better state and less likely to go into spasm and also uh, to help the, the heart muscle maintain its function and its tone. For those reasons, I uh, am convinced that the good Dr. Weiss uh, has articulated the benefits of the herb quite dramatically. What I don't agree with, and this might surprise some uh, naturopaths and herbalists that uh, what I'm going to say now, what I am convinced is that it is not a primary antihypertensive herb. Uh, it, it, in my experience and my reading and my understanding of the herb, any benefit that it has on blood pressure uh, is very, very minimal and should not be seen as a herb uh, to compete with mainstream antihypertensive medication. The literature does suggest, and Vice hints at this, that a long-term usage of the hawthorn, and particularly uh, taken regularly, long-term, may so improve the health and functioning of the cardiovascular system that that may reflect itself in some improvement in mm. blood pressure. So you can yeah. see where I'm coming from there. The I, term, I do, the, yeah. the term yeah. tonic is a great term uh, to use for this great herb, uh, and I have put it forward even on this program as being what I refer to as an anti-aging remedy, um, particularly for old codgers like myself, um, and... <laughs> I'm staking a lot on it. I'm, I'm, I've got a bet on this herb that it's going to do something for me. No. I'm in the queue behind you. Don't worry. <laughs> well, look, I, I'm a great, look, you have heard me say that I think we all take too many things, too many supplements, mm. uh, too many drugs, but uh, for each organ system of the body, uh, there is, in my opinion, a particular natural remedy, primarily herbal, which has a reputation and increasingly... Uh, a scientific 
justification for using it. This is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. We've got Peter on the line from Mayfield. Peter, yeah. you'd like to ask Dennis about bitter melon. Mm-hmm. I was just, my mate at work, Peter, he's, uh, I was talking about the bitter melon story, never heard it, and I was just saying that uh, uh, Peter's right here with me at the moment at work. He'd be interested just to hear a bit about it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Look, um, bitter melon is, again, one of those herbs that I've done a lot of work uh, with, and um, I say to all listeners, if you want to get a brochure uh, that I've written about uh, bitter melon, contact the station here and we'll arrange to uh, to get it out to you, free of charge, of course. But bitter melon uh, has done remarkable things uh, in helping people uh, resist the onset of, uh, of diabetes. Now, um, as we get older and as we get bigger, type 2 diabetes, and that's what I'm talking about, is yeah. something that creeps up on us. And there, there is a point where it is creeping up on us or where we are uh, being threatened by our medical managers with having to go on to medic- medication if we don't do something about it. At that point, bitter melon, in my opinion, is one of the most useful devices to help with lifestyle management in bringing the blood sugar levels back to a better point, which frequently permits the doctor to uh, take his pen away and so they don't use pens today but take his computer away and not write a script for metformin or something else it is quite remarkable Uh, it's got a very very bitter taste but it is one of the most popularly used natural medications used as a food around the world particularly in South Asia uh, amongst other things to address the early stages of type 2 diabetes I prescribe it in a, in a powdered form. Most Australians uh, don't know of the, of the vegetable. It is available frequently in our supermarkets and in better food stores. Uh, it's like a cucumber with a, with a, a lot of ridges uh, down it, uh, like a rough-edged cucumber, you might say, uh, but it's quite different and um, uh, bitter. And you can actually cook it. There are various ways of cooking it. If you get on the net, you'll find numerous ways of preparing it. A lot of my Indian patients over the years have brought in favourite recipes as to how to uh, cook this vegetable. But I have produced it in a powder form for my patients because most Aussies still find it a little bit challenging and find it much easier to use by taking a teaspoonful of the powder daily. It is one of the primary remedies and a low-cost remedy at that. And if you like, if you can get the food and, uh, and begin to eat it regularly, it may have the, the same benefit, although you would have to take it regularly and see it as a medicine, not just as an occasional food. And that is where the powder or the capsule or the tablet form might be a better way of doing it. But um, there are a few substances that I'm aware of that have such a, a good reputation for helping manage the early stages of type 2 diabetes and even some patients that are on the first line of diabetic management, type 2 diabetes, let me emphasise, type 2, not type 1, even patients that are on the first level of management of medication can frequently uh, be given a trial off that medication as a result of taking uh, this preparation over a consistent uh, period of time with their doctor monitoring their condition. And let me say, any person out there who is uh, type 2 and wanting to do something uh, with natural medicine, it's imperative that you discuss this with your general practitioner. They're our mainstream medical managers. And uh, 
regular testing of your blood sugar levels, something that I recommend anyone who is uh, working with their diabetic condition to do, but regular checking of it will normally see some improvement in blood sugar levels. That's great. Mm. That answers your question. That's excellent. Thanks so much for the call, Peter. And this is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. And now I have a question for you. Is this Graham or Ray that I have on the line here? It's Ray. Uh, Graham. Graham. It's Graham. Excellent. Graham, you're from Fletcher and you've got a question about blood pressure. Yes. Hello, Graham. G'day. How you going? Good, good. How can I help you, Graham? Uh... My blood pressure's up a yes. little bit. I've never had a drama with it, but, um, yeah, the last month or so I've, I got checked and I found out it was up and I just wondered was there something I could take rather than going on the uh, on the medical model. Okay. Uh, Graham, let me just say that uh, blood pressure is one of these things that's blood pressure. You know where I'm coming from. Um, yes. It, In my opinion, it is better managed within the mainstream. Uh, right. I take a blood pressure medication myself. Um, so I don't encourage individuals to take alternative medicines for blood pressure. What I do say to individuals is this, that frequently a blood pressure reduction can occur as a result of significant lifestyle modifications. Now let me give you a few clues here or a few hints. There's yeah. pretty There's pretty significant evidence now suggesting that a diet that is moving more towards a vegetarian emphasis has some capacity to reflect itself in better blood pressure readings. It's been shown, for instance, that uh, people whose diets are primarily vegetarian have better blood pressure readings. So I tend to feel, and I practice this myself, that a movement away from the Anglo diet, which is very heavily based on red meat products and uh, a lot of carbohydrates is a useful thing to do. Uh, a vegetarian emphasis um, can also see some uh, reduction in one's weight, which also can reflect itself, not always, but sometimes can reflect itself beneficially in a reduction in blood pressure. So it comes down to, it comes down to lifestyle management not so much trying to get something that will stop you having to take uh, the prescribed medication. I would go down that pathway. Uh, exercise is another good way, uh, and I know that's overstated. Exercise is not the cure for everything, um, but regular exercise can also uh, lead to weight loss, obviously, and can also uh, create some degree of, of uh, relaxation, uh, uh, just taking the tension out of our bodies. Uh, those things, I think, uh, are more important than looking for a herb that will do the job. Now, having said that, having said that, uh, most doctors would know that the, the uh, probably one of the earliest, the, one of the earliest and most successful uh, medications uh, for blood pressure was based on the Indian herb, Rewolfia serpentina. And for many, many years, uh, particularly older doctors, would have prescribed uh, medications that would have contained reserpine, which was the alkaloid from it. Uh, that is not popular now and not available in this country. And in my opinion, uh, there have been better uh, blood pressure medications brought in that no longer see Rewolfia serpentina as important as what it may have been years ago.
Dennis Stewart on Health Naturally today on 2NURFM. And we've uh, had a call from Ray. In fact, I think we've had several calls from Ray. Uh, he's got a question and his line mm. keeps dropping out. Okay. So uh, Ray's question, Dennis, is uh, he's asking, is there one good supplement mm. that he can take instead of taking lots and lots of them? And currently he's taking turmeric, garlic, fish oil and calcium. Okay. Look, I would, uh, I tend to agree with you, uh, Ray, and you would have heard me say that, that in my opinion, uh, we take too many things, um, and what we should be doing is looking more at, at what we eat, what is in our diet. A good, well-rounded diet with fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, good quality food as we have in this country, and I want to emphasise this, uh, there's a lot of ideological nonsense which tends to cast aspersion on the quality of the vegetables that we get in our supermarkets and our other outlets. They are the best in the world, the best in the world. Uh, so the first thing is look at what we're eating. Uh, I'm sure Ray and others would agree that if you sit sometimes uh, at a supermarket uh, entrance and uh, stand sometimes and look at what uh, many of us are purchasing you would shake your head and wonder because uh, we are frequently seeing, or I see it anyway, uh, people purchasing a lot of substances that arguably go under the banner of food, but which I question. In other words, what am I saying? The first thing is good health is not based on taking multiple supplements. It's based on taking control of our food, and from our supermarkets, making sure that we disproportionately purchase good quality, basic foods, fruit and vegetables, good quality meats, dairy products, get back, get back to eating a well-rounded diet that, that many of us, particularly my age, were raised on. We, we never had what was called fancy food in this town. My parents were working class people. We ate working class food. There were no such things as vitamins and minerals, but as I tell my grandchildren, I can't recollect ever having a day off school. And we used to go to school in those days, walk the hill up to Jesmond, as it was Jesmond uh, Infants and Primary School, barefooted, buy a, stra a, a strap of licorice for a penny on the way up. Uh, we ate basic tucker, were never sick because the food was home-cooked, plenty of it, fresh, Frequently the vegetables were out of the backyard. Frequently the chicken we ate was what what was killed in at home, which Pretty really we used to worry me because I used to have to hang on to the head of it. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, with all jokes aside, is supplements shouldn't take the place of taking more seriously what we purchase and what we prepare. Get back to making the kitchen work. Now, I note that you take turmeric, garlic, fish oil and calcium. I don't see these or those supplements in any way contradicting what I have just said there. There is a role for serious targeted supplements, particularly to address health problems. For instance, uh, uh, turmeric, uh, I could read into it there that you may well be taking turmeric because you have some muscular and skeletal problem, maybe some arthritic symptoms. Turmeric in that way as a supplement functions as a natural drug with mild anti-inflammatory and analgesic characteristics. So there's justification for using that. By using garlic and fish oil, 
you're probably taking those because you're concerned about your cholesterol levels and you may be wanting to do something with supplements uh, that have some degree of reputation in helping maintain a good cholesterol level and a good complexion of the cholesterol that you've got. And taking calcium, I think that's a useful supplement, uh, more so for women, but uh, for men also, particularly as we get older. So what am I talking about? I'm saying that despite my emphasis on good health uh, being based essentially on good food and a good diet, there is a role for a sensible selection of supplements to target particular health requirements and particularly to work against particular diseases. I hope that puts it into perspective. That's vastly different from being overwhelmed uh, by promotional activity which encourages you to buy everything that has the the label natural on it. Uh, That is something to be worried about. I hope that's helped you, Ray. And thank you for your call. Um, Peter's just rung in. uh, I'm sure this will be a quick one, won't it, Dennis? Peter from New Lambton has rung in to ask ask about the supplement, either the powder supplement or the vegetable you were talking about to help with type 2 diabetes. Yes. Hello, Peter. He's, he's not Oh, online. okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, look, um, as I said earlier, Peter, um, eating the vegetable is the, natu- the most natural way, arguably, of getting any benefit from bitter melon. And, and around the world, uh, it would be using the vegetable in that way uh, that has made it popular in working against type 2 diabetes. However, as I said earlier when I was discussing this... Um, it would have to be taken on a regular, almost uh, routine basis to get that benefit, whereas uh, taking, say, a powder supplement uh, enables you to take it fairly conveniently. And remember, the powder is just the fruit or the vegetable uh, that's been dehydrated and converted into a powder, so you've not lost any of its activity. And in the paper that I have written, um, I talk about taking... 5 to 10 grams of um, bitter melon powder per day as a reasonable uh, dose, if you want to call it that, to help work against um, type 2 uh, conditions. Health Naturally on 2NURFM with Dennis Stewart. Sue, uh, you've rung in from Warrabrook and you've got a question about a kind of neurological disorder you'd like to ask Dennis about. Yes. Good afternoon, Dennis. Hello, Sue. I'd like to know if you know of anything that can help functional neurological disorder. Well, the the term functional neurological disorder, when we talk about the term functional, that usually implies a a condition that is not based on any recognised pathology. Can Can you explain your condition a little bit better for me? Well, it happens to me every second day. Yes. My body seizes up like a coiled spring. Okay. I'm stuck to the ground, I can hardly move, yes. and I'm so heavy. Okay. And you're, you've been well and truly investigated by your neurologist, obviously. Yes, I've had this since for seven years. Okay. Did it come on uh, quickly, or did it come as a result of uh, some infection? It came on pretty slowly, but it, from what I understand, it's due to trauma. Yes long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Look, um, I haven't got any off-the-cuff uh, suggestions or solutions to this. 
I think mm -hmm. your comment there that it happened a long time ago almost puts it in the bracket of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, yeah, probably that, like that, yeah. Probably like that. And mm -hmm. I, I wonder, I wonder, Sue, whether or not um, seeing someone who manages um, these conditions, a, a psychologist or someone who is able to look at the background that might be associated with this, sometimes getting to understand or getting to grips with mm. what the trauma was and working through it may, may lead to some uh, better experience of it. I'm grasping for straws a bit, Sue, but I think, <laughs> I, think, I think the clue that you gave me there was that it seemed to be related to something in, in, in your life that happened earlier and is, and is manifesting itself in this way now. I yes. think, I think uh, psychotherapy, seeing a psychologist, a uh, hypnotherapist, a medical hypnotherapist, uh, this might be a, a pathway to go down. If you've sustained uh, the excellent neurological investigation that we, we have in this town and if you've exhausted the medical approach, uh, think a little bit left field and think about perhaps discussing with your doctor or neurologist using one or more of the one of these fairly uh, radical approaches. Mm, well, I've done all that and it hasn't helped. Oh, that's a pity. Well, mm. I've, I've given you my best shot, Sue. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> and we do appreciate your okay. question. It's always good to have calls. Thank you, Sue. Fiona from Newcastle. Now, you're concerned about bone strength? Yes, that's right, yes. Hello, Fiona. What do you have osteoporosis or are you osteopenic? Uh, just very mild osteoporosis. Okay. That was a couple okay. of years ago. Okay. So I was just wondering if there was any um, supplements that I could now, take for um, building strong bones. Are you having the injection from your doctor? No, no, okay. I'm not. So your condition at this stage um, has been medically interpreted as perhaps not needing uh, to go down that pathway at this stage. Well, that's that's right. Okay, yes. look, uh, as as a starting base, it's it's not a bad idea to uh, start using a, a calcium supplement that has with it some of the um, substances that work as synergists with it to promote a better uptake of it. Um, there are some excellent uh, supplements of calcium in our supermarkets, in our health food stores, and our pharmacies, which uh, claim and fairly justifiably. Uh, to be able to improve the uptake and utilisation of calcium by virtue of having these other substances uh, taken in conjunction with it. So that would be my first starting base. You've probably been told by your doctor, um, creating good bone health also means uh, um, getting out there, doing a bit of exercise, uh, um, yeah, all those I sorts of that. things. I think if you're doing that, if your diet is good and you're taking a good calcium supplement that can promote maximum uptake of it. From a natural medicine perspective, there's not much more you can do. It's interesting, though, that where there is uh, a bone or where there is a fracture, a uh, slow healing um, fracture particularly, or uh, where it won't heal, a substance called allantoin, A-L-L-A-N-T-O-I-N, allantoin, which was originally found in the herb comfrey, uh, which we don't use now, but allantoin as, as a powder um, is a proven supplement to help promote uh, the, the overcoming or the healing of a, of a fracture because of its relationship 
uh, to the bone. So if there was a, a damage condition with any of your bones, I would be keen to suggest that you talk to your pharmacist and get on to some Allantoin, which is harmless, inexpensive. Um, I have many patients, uh, particularly in my Cessnock practice, that use it and swear by it, so to speak. But you may not need that. All I do is throw that in to indicate that there are natural substances that can promote benefit for the bony structure, particularly when it's not healing well. And Alan Toyn would be the leader of the pack there. Oh, okay. I haven't had any breakages or anything. Good. Um, so, but they just said that the bone density was a bit low. Well, I think uh, I think working along the lines that we've just said. Look at your look at your diet. Uh, a good calcium supplement, plenty of exercise. Um, that's the store, sort of standard thing that we would recommend. Okay. And um, also for um, just a few aches and pains yes. in the joints, yes. um, would you suggest the glucosamine and chondroitin? Or? Okay, look, it, it, it depends upon um, how serious it is. If, if there is the, or if there is a beginning of an osteoarthritic condition... I still believe that the glucosamine and chondroitin emphasis is well-founded, uh, and I have numerous clients and patients that would vouch for that. Not everyone. Like everything, um, this or this combination, in my opinion, has been pushed too far. In other words, the industry has got hold of it uh, and made a lot of money out of it. That happens with both natural drugs and also pharmaceuticals, I suspect. Um, doesn't work with everyone, but it works effectively with many people. Um, it's a useful supplement. What I would say, however, about the glucosamine and, and chondroitin emphasis is this, that if you go onto this and you have any sort of, uh, how can you call it, symptoms of uh, osteoarthritis, um, you, it's unlikely that you will get much benefit uh, within about three months. It needs to be taken for about three months to be able to make an assessment. Most benefit from it will occur substantially, if it's going to occur, around about the three-month period. It's a good starting base, um, but again, uh, it would be dependent on how much um, you know discomfort you're in. Uh, another substance that I'm a great fan of uh, is, of course, the New Zealand greenlit muscle. And um, that is... Fortunately, uh, listeners have warmed to my uh, past comments on New Zealand green lip mussel. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that um, it's not as well known um, as perhaps the chondroitin and glucosamine emphasis. But again, the literature behind the usefulness of the New Zealand green lip mussel, uh, taken particularly as a supplement, uh, is very, very, very substantial and very credible. Uh, and th there again, you're looking at two substances, uh, glucosamine and chondroitin, uh, plus the New Zealand greenlit muscle, which are essentially foods. I think they would be useful to think about. Excellent. Uh, thank you for your call, Fiona. I must say, I like the thought of a greenlit muscle. So do I. <laughs> Very so good. Do I. And Jan has rung in from Warner's Bay now. Uh, you're wondering about whether you can um, find something to help with fibromyalgia. Is that correct, Jan? Yes. Hello, Jan. How long have you been battling this wretched condition? Oh, for years. Yes, yeah. And, um, there's nothing. I can't, I'm allergic to just about everything. Yeah, that dear, dear, dear. Oh, by the way, the, um, the Allentone, my friend takes that. She visits you up there at your, your practice. Oh, up. does she really? And she's 
Where's Mike? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting story with Alan Torn. It's like many of these good natural things, um, there's very little money in it for the industry. So you won't find it uh, popularly promoted. But yet, uh, I would be one of the few, I suspect, in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, that considers it to be a, a remarkable agent for addressing the, the bony structure itself. Um, well, here's the proof. She went off to a specialist mm. that she's waited for a long time. Yes. Done a shoulder in, and he <laughs> said there was a, um, a thickening of the... What she said, I know it was the Allentine. I told him about it, and he just didn't even want to know. She said he wouldn't, wouldn't talk about it. Oh, well... You might have you might have been having an off day. You might have been having an off day. Now you've got this fibromyalgic condition. Are you on any? Are you on prednisone or anything for it? No, I can't take any of that. I just put up with the pain, and I've just been so yeah. Okay. Have you have you tried the uh, preparations based on curcumin? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, my stomach doesn't seem to like. Ah. It. Okay. Well, look, I, t- I tell you, I tell you what. Um, you would have heard me talk all some time ago about uh, meadow sweet tea. Yeah. Okay. Now let me explain meadow sweet. Again, it's one of these uh, how can I call it historic uh, herbs that is used particularly by older English herbalists. Now it comes as a tea. You'd be able to get it from your Warner's Bay Health Food store. It has a very gentle effect on the gut wall, and it has an application in addressing. Uh, inflammatory, painful, arthritic, rheumatic conditions. Go to Warner's Bay, tell them you listen to the program, they'll look after you. Yes, I go there all the time, well, they're fantastic. You're in yeah. good hands. Uh, mention, mention Meadowsweet Herbal Tea mm-hmm. and tell them that Dennis said, you've got to give me a pack to try as a gift. <laughs> you make sure you mention that, right? <laughs> There you go, Jan. No, you can't go. Can't do better than that, yeah, can you? you? Thanks you for your call, and all the very best, mm. Dennis. We've just got about a minute and a half to go. Um, it's a bit, uh, bit short to touch on uh, some we, of the topics. We're going to do those favourite three remedies about. of the gut that, that are my favourite ones: chamomile, um, lemon balm, and peppermint. I did that discussion years ago, and listeners. Uh, have showed great interest in it, so I thought I'd revisit again. But we're not going to have time, but let me just say quickly, with reference to meadowsweet as a fill-in before next week, meadowsweet has multiple usages. I recommended that dear lady that she try it um, as perhaps something useful for a painful state. But there was a very interesting English herbalist, Frank Roberts, uh, English herbalists, remarkable people. I owe a lot to them. I have their photographs in my consulting rooms. They swam against the tide of prejudice. But Frank Roberts was a bit of an eccentric. But he wrote a lovely work on Meadowsweet saying, and he, I use his terminology, it was the normaliser of the gut. In other words, it could be used for any condition, uh, dyspepsia, uh, inflammatory states, reflux conditions. He saw it as a remedy of great harmlessness. If persevered, it could stabilise the stomach and work against many gut conditions, which these days are treated with powerful drugs. So it's a remedy that we won't won't mention again for a while, but as a starting point on a favourite gut remedy, particularly for the upper gut, 
the Herb Meadow Suite. And we will mm. get on to Herbs for the Gut. Hopefully. All hopefully, going well hopefully, next week, hopefully. but it's been great. Lots of been great good, topics good, good. coming your way. Thank you, Dennis Stewart, and we'll look forward to your company for Health Naturally next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>